You are live with the Church Safety Guys. So thanks for joining with us tonight. My name is James, and I am joined by my fellow co-hosts. Paul Biden. <laughs> we didn't rehearse that one. All right. So, Paul and, and Mike, how are you guys doing tonight? Did you get that, that new intro, Paul? I, I did that just for you. I suddenly feel like I need to go ride my horse. Yes. <laughs> All energized, ready to ride into the sunset. Good stuff. Very good stuff. Yeah, I uh, I started thinking. Well, you know, a, a back kind of quick backstory to the folks that are watching. He's still laughing in his in his mind. I can see his face. Yeah. So he's always complaining that the song isn't peppy enough when we do an <laughs> intro. So I spent the whole week, and this this was a surprise to him. He had no idea about it. I spent the whole week actually trying to find just the right soundtrack for our, our intro. And of course, you know, there's nothing better than the soundtrack from The Magnificent Seven. So I'll just put that in there. So if you haven't seen that movie, then, you know. I'm not, you know, I'm not saying that we're like the Magnificent Three or anything like that. It was just kind of a, a cool, I like the soundtrack to it. So, so anyhow, thanks for joining us tonight. Uh, we are going to try and be a little bit serious, but uh, hopefully, I don't know. We'll, we'll see how that works out. So if you're, if you're just joining us, uh, feel free to, to write down, uh, your church and where you're located. That kind of helps us uh, go through and uh, check and see where our, our folks watching are from. And then also, if you uh, if you give approval to StreamYard that when you post something, if you have a question or something like that, then that kind of that brings it from Facebook into into our studio. So then we can ask our guests this evening. So a um, couple of quick things are. Uh, our month is sponsored by Full Armor Security and Church Full Armor Church Security, and then also Trinity Security Allies. So uh, we'll have uh, a couple of clips from them uh, coming up here and uh, get get rolling into stuff. Um, the other thing, actually, real quick before we bring our guest in, I did want to mention that, uh, and I, I did a video a couple days ago about having issues with our new. Um, road less traveled book on Amazon that has been fixed and squared away and straightened. So yeah, so it was, it was released today on, um, uh, ebook. So you can actually, if you have a Amazon prime membership, you can get that through there. And then also, uh, you can certainly purchase, purchase it. I think it's 1299 through, uh, through Amazon. And for every purchase, the amount of, I don't know, our royalty, uh, I think it's just over $5. That goes straight back into the ministry of uh, the church safety guys. And, um, you know, we, we provide a lot of material, a lot of curriculum to different folks uh, that, that ask for it for their churches. But uh, The Road Less Traveled is a really cool book. Um, I love the author. <laughs> I was waiting for that. I was like, 
Huh. <laughs> he knows the author personally. And for since those we're, of since you, we're going they, down that vein, it, uh, I heard the back cover is pretty good too. Yeah, uh, <laughs> <laughs> but you know the back cover you can actually read on Amazon without buying the book. <laughs> so anyway, uh, if you hate exercise but you really want a good biblical devotional for your church and your church safety team, the Road Less Travel is the book for you. <laughs> Hey, I like that. Dan said the three stooges. Wow. That that might be appropriate. We're gonna come out with the road last traveled to dances with donuts. So <laughs> hey, well, we got three amigos. I like that one. There we that's go. Not, that's Poor not Dina. Poor Dina has a good idea. <laughs> <laughs> oh my goodness, this is a train wreck. So any anyhow, just to give you a heads up. So next week is Father's Day, and uh, what we'll be doing is we'll we'll actually gonna, we're going to be broadcasting at a different time. Uh, we're, I'm actually going to shoot for six uh, six p.m. Eastern time. I think that's five Central Standard, isn't it? Yes, is that sir. how that works? Okay. So uh, what we'll be doing? I had a, an interview, a short short interview with Jimmy Meeks. Uh, he came on and uh, I got a chance to kind of talk to him and, and about his ministry. So we'll, we'll be playing that and it's actually a shorter, um, shorter thing. So pre-recorded and uh, that just gives us a little bit more of an evening to kind of spend, spend some time with our family. And uh, I would expect that I'll probably just host it and, you know, that'll be, That'll be good. So we'll still be on. It'll just be, and I'll, I'll send out the event invites. It'll be at 6, 6 p.m. Eastern time. And uh, it was really great talking to him. He's <clears throat> he's definitely got a dynamic personality. And he he's very passionate about uh, helping churches. And it was kind of interesting because he uh, shared with me some of the things that uh, he and Colonel Grossman are going to be doing Um you know, in the future to help churches. And it was pretty dynamic and, and cool. So you don't want to miss that interview. Yeah. Simon's chiming in here. I hear the book has a great forward as well. It's some random British guy. Nobody cares. It's okay. No, no, it's not a random British guy. It's a top shelf British guy. <laughs> with a Top shelf accent. This is true. <laughs> All right. So anyhow, I'm excited uh, to bring our guest in tonight. Well, let's let's get to the serious stuff real quick because I think we're we're losing everybody. I don't know. I don't know about that. Hopefully, they're by this at this point they're just patient with us. Um, <clears throat> but anyhow, tonight we we have the honor and pleasure of of talking to uh, Miss Tina Rowe, and uh, hopefully I you know I'll, I'll bring her in here. Hopefully, I didn't butcher her last name like I did Simon's. So. Hello, Tina. How are you Hello doing there. tonight? How are you? I was going to tell you, I actually like that music, although I thought you have a lot more in common with the horses than the riders. Oh. <laughs> nay. All I can say no, that is nay. Nay. <laughs> Very good. That's clever. I wouldn't have thought you could come up with that oh. thing that quick. Occasionally. Oh, my goodness. I it's, can count to five. <laughs> you, you have to consider the source. It's Paul. Yeah. Sometimes he's a little low. so <laughs> They have to rein me in regularly. 
gosh, this could go on forever. <laughs> yes, it could. And he's he's the punniest guy that you'll ever meet in your entire lifetime. So trust me, we have pun battles regularly, and he always wins. <laughs> But anyhow, thank you for joining us tonight. Uh, really appreciate it. I know we played email tag quite quite a bit, um, but uh, and I know that you really don't like technology at all. <laughs> I don't mind the technology. I just don't want to be seen on video. So okay. That's why I, I just go through this. And in fact, I had a really pretty pink blouse on a while ago. And I, I ate barbecued chicken and spilled all down the front of it. And like two seconds before we came on the screen, I had to change clothes. That's the kind of thing that happens to me on video. So that's why yeah. I sort of always hesitate a little bit. Been there. Yeah. Yep. So <laughs> I think that's happened to all of us. Yeah. It's, it's a blessing and, and a curse, I suppose. But anyhow, so for those of you that, that haven't visited your web, website or, or checked out your information, uh, tell us about yourself. Tell us about your story. <laughs> well, I do have a website, but it's not really, a, I don't really, I don't hardly even do anything with it, but it is a good way to contact me. And I have a lot of material, but uh, most of it's law enforcement related or just generic kind of related. But um, for those of you all that don't know me at all, and it's amazing, I ought to be rich and famous, but I'm not. <laughs> so that's why I'm, I'm always frustrated when people don't know me. I always laugh and say if they've painted the bathroom walls at the police department, they're never going to know me again. So I kind of have to keep advertising myself. Uh, I came on the job in uh, 1969 and uh, started just as a little patrol officer. Uh, if you can, for those of you all that are watching, if you can picture this, I had a little short skirt that was that was so short that it just hardly covered the essentials. So I wore a little short skirt and high heels and I carried my uh, uh, five shot Smith and Wesson in my purse, which I left in the car when I had to get out and go do something. And of course, during that era, you didn't get cover on calls. And in fact, I would say one oh, and before I could hit the eight, man, they'd be click of the microphone. So I wouldn't be able to talk. So um, I can live with that now. I don't get frustrated about it, but I was frustrated at the time. So 1969, and then I became, uh, I was on the Denver Police Department. I became our first woman sergeant, and our first woman lieutenant, the first woman captain. When you're my age, you kind of are the first woman everything practically. Eve and I were very similar in, in time, I think is what it amounts to. But um, so I was the first woman, all of that. I had a, just a great career. I was in every uh, every district and, and every assignment, and I just couldn't wish a better career for anybody. And then right at the end of my career, I got a phone call from a, um, a senator who wanted to know if I would like to participate in the process for uh, United States Marshal for the area. And I didn't for the state. And I didn't know anything about United States Marshals. And he said, well, it's a presidential appointment. And I said, well, I'm a registered unaffiliated. So I don't think that, you know, it's likely that. And he said, well, just give it a try. It truly was almost a cosmic gift. And here's what I say about that. I say that to people all the time. You've got to be ready because if you're not ready, and, and like this is true so much with security teams, we rock along with some people who are not very capable not very ready for anything. And then when the big thing happens, they're not able to really help. So we have to keep people in a state mm -hmm. of readiness all the time. I think we need to keep our congregations in a state of readiness all the time. And you know me enough to know that, that I view that as readiness for the big picture, not mm -hmm. um, you know for just one time. Then in 2007, we had the events at New Life Church. 
Mm-hmm. And um, somebody, some pastor friend asked me if I'd put something together on on church safety and security because I have such a security planning background. Mm-hmm. I mean, really just for up to that time, 35 years worth. And I've said this and I want you to know it. I mean, I, I like to say this to people because I think it says something about my approach to it is that it's not a faith-based ministry for me. I might have a faith, but that's not the way I approach this training. If mm-hmm. libraries would have had a problem, I'd be doing training about libraries. That's that's mm-hmm. just the way I am. And so I've enjoyed it for that reason. I I put together a um, I put together a document that just had some overview material. It's really it's still in sort of a draft stage. One of these days I want to do something with it. But that's gone out over 35,000 times for free. And I imagine wow. probably now close to 50,000 times because people just make copies and make copies and make copies all the time. That's been a real fun thing for me. I hear from somebody every day and uh, sometimes I'll get 50, 60 a week if there's been a conference someplace and my name gets mentioned and they want the material and I send things to them and so forth. So it's been a great opportunity for me. Hmm. That, that is crazy. And I, I know that uh, you... I found out, really, I found out about you and some of your work through Simon Mm -hmm. and just actually uh, going through and watching some of your videos and and, uh, whatnot that he's recorded. Um, And that prompted, excuse me, that prompted me to go like do a little bit of of research and kind of understand some of what you were mentioning earlier about the big picture. And, and, And I mentioned this to you, I think, before before the show, but part of the reason that um, I like it so much is because it encompasses so many things that a lot of times people don't think about. And when we started, uh, when we started the the church safety guys and and the the group on Facebook and and all of this stuff, much of why we started that was because we felt like there was a disconnect uh, with churches and places of worship that uh, they were so focused on one thing and that was just like the active shooter and not necessarily understanding how to connect with people uh, to, to look at maybe, you know, mental illness as it comes into that congregation, you know, how to handle that special needs. Um, and then to, to kind of expound on that um, some of the other generic things like, and I, I call it generic, but like food safety and you know fire fire prevention um we had a church in columbus actually southeast columbus that i think three or four years ago they were in the news and uh for the wrong reasons and uh the cdc ended up coming in because they had a potluck where someone brought in something that was canned with good intentions but it ended up giving uh, botulism to like 20 people in the church. And, um, I think one, one elderly woman, uh, passed away from, from the incident. And, uh, you know, the CDC came into this little town, you know, in the middle of nowhere, uh, Midwest us, USA and, and traced it back. And from that point, you know, a lot of us in the Midwest really started saying, look, if you're, if you're going to do a food event, why not train someone in food safety? You know, why does, why does safety or a safety team just have to focus on, you know, one incident like an active shooter, especially when, you know, when, when we do statistics of like the incidents that we run at our church, 80% of those are medically related. 
And so it's like, you know what, wait a second. So we really, as, as guys with the church safety guys, we really started pushing that emphasis and saying, look, you know, there's so much more here that you need to be watching out for. And it's not just, I mean, it's great to train uh, for, you know, in preparation, but at the end of the day, um, that the title of church, church safety really has to encompass a lot more things. And, uh, you know, one of the, I'm, I'm just kind of looking off screen here. One of, one of the slides on your, on your, uh, notes <laughs> from your website and, you know, some of the things that you mentioned, you know, falls, alarms, uh, vehicle safety, travel safety, you know, those are all things that we've tried to talk about. Like, Hey, if you take a youth group out in a van and you're, you're going, you know, across the state, you know, we're, you're responsible for the kids in that van and how do you handle, you know, keeping them safe and how do you look at potential, uh, you know, what, what could go wrong? I'll throw that out there. You know, what's the worst case scenario and then prepare for it. And, you know, through the years, I've found that, uh, you know, many, many pastors at my church and then uh, several churches in the area, you know, they would reach out to me and say, look, we're going, we're taking kids here or there, you know, can you come with us or can you help us, you know, prepare for, you know, the, the unexpected. So I was really excited and, you know, I'll, I'll turn it over to the guys if they have questions or whatnot, but I was really excited to, to find your information because like I said, there, there is not a lot out there that has the emphasis that, that you have put on, you know, just kind of encapsulating everything and, and, uh, and making it good. So, yeah, you know, I do seminars. Uh, Simon knows that I do seminars and people uh, every time they'll cut me at break time and say, oh, I've been to several, but none of them have encompassed this kind of stuff. And of course, I have sure. a lot of fun, too. I probably have the funnest seminar of any seminar <laughs> you'd ever be in. But um, but I want them to, to say that later, that this is a different approach and it's a more practical and realistic approach sometimes, too. For sure. We had a lady today at church that was on crutches and I'm out in the parking lot and helping watch over things and talking and she comes around the corner and she's got her, her crutches and she's trying to juggle a Starbucks and her, her devotional journal to go up to the doors. Well, I spent four months on crutches when I was 15 and I know this is a recipe for a fall. And she's got one foot up slightly come to find out it was an Achilles injury. And so I came up and said, Hey, I've spent a long time on crutches. Can I carry your, your coffee and your, and your book? And I get her up inside and one of her friends, it just sees her and comes over and I trade off and she goes. And then I caught her on the way out and helped her again. Cause she didn't have the coffee, but she still had the book. And to me, medical, I mean, James and I've talked about this a lot. It to, to me, medical is about 99% of what you're going to deal with. And I felt like it was worth that, that ounce of prevention to go walk her in and hand her off because she was trying to make one trip and didn't have her purse and was trying to make this work and, and crutches aren't conducive for purses. And it was, it was about to be a problem. And what surprises me, and I'm not ragging on my church at all, but it surprises me how many people, they just don't see that person. They just don't see that predicament. It doesn't enter mm -hmm. into the matrix of how they look at it. So... 
Now, Mike, I know you're going to say something, but let me just interject this, if that's okay. We're going to, we're going to save a lot of time. Mike, shut up. Uh, but anyway. Um, Poor Mike. <laughs> I'll come back to you. Um, if you saw, uh, James, if you saw in some of my material, I use this, I use this analogy all the time. Of course, I'm concerned about a home invasion for me and for my family, because that's like about the worst thing you can think about. But wouldn't it be foolish to put all our efforts into this idea of prevent a home invasion? What do we do if there's a home invasion? And I don't think anything about fire and I don't think anything about uh, my computer being hacked. And I don't pay attention to when I go out at mm. night and my car. There's so there's so many other things with the church. And that's why I talk about the people, the places, the property, the processes and the program. So I say those are the five things that we need to be the question you ask. What could go wrong? about mm -hmm. each one of those individual things. And that's enough to keep us, the reason I like it is because, and I understand that everybody's got a slightly different approach to this, but my feeling is the more people we can involve with the safety and security team, the better. So mm -hmm. the, the security response team, that's the ones that maybe they're armed or not armed, but that's that role. But mm -hmm. there's a tremendous role that we can use women, people of all ages. We can even use adolescents to help us with some mm -hmm. of these other things that don't involve that type of stuff. And so I like to expand out a lot so that we have a reason for a lot of people to be healthy. Absolutely. Now, Mike, what do you want to say? <laughs> thank say you for the hall. Thank you for the hall pass. Yeah. Um, <laughs> I like her. <laughs> Yeah, uh, no, I'm going to jump into the readiness topic. I think it's it's great from that perspective is uh, looking at it, not just how are you ready in your daily life? How are you ready in your municipality? Um, but in a church capacity, I think it, you spoke to it, Tina, is across the board, those other ministries that can have a mindset of readiness and can have their eyes on basically or open so that they can uh, help inform the safety team if necessary, but a lot of it is really just being personal. It's it's being out there, it's being available, and being able to step up and be trained as necessary. But to me, the readiness, I think, is underserved in church safety. How many are in Tornado Alley? How often do you have uh, many churches that are in the um, area of blizzards or in the Northeast, where I'm originally from, now in sunny Texas? But um, you got slips and trips and ice uh, dams and all sorts of other things. All of that is part of that safety mindset that can contribute into um, needing to go to work, really, for, for most of us. Yes, and uh, since you mentioned that, look at what's happened recently. There are, were a lot of churches that were poised, I mean, literally poised to be ready to have church services someplace else if they had to. And I always tell people, you never know when there's going to be a water emergency, a fire emergency, a yep. something, and you won't be able to meet at that building. Well, if you can't worship, if only you got to be there before you can worship, then you could shut a lot of things down. There were a lot of churches ready to go. And I know a lot of other churches that the only option they had was to come together and they weren't even willing to try to find another option. And so right. that's, that's part of the readiness as well. I think. For sure. I think the what, disaster what, recovery what could go yeah. wrong and then be ready to do something about it. So. Yeah, exactly. We had uh, every, every year we, we put on a rather large uh, pageant at Easter time where we, we open up to the community and we, we go through and we do, um, 
the life of Christ with actors and, and we bring animals in and that sort of thing. And it's funny because we, we always use in several of the scenes, we always use special effects and, and smoke machines and stuff like that. And so of course, when we're, when we're um, practicing, we've had, you know, the fire alarm system go off. So we'll be in the middle of practice and all of a sudden the fire alarm system goes off. Well, I am actually, I'm on the, the first call list now. And so a lot of times, you know, the company will call me and they'll say, is there a real fire? Should we dispatch, you know, the fire department or, you know, is it, um, you know, is it a false alarm? And so often, you know, we try and put the, put the mode in, into test so that, you know, while we're doing that, it doesn't, doesn't, the fire department doesn't show up. I can't tell you how many times that the fire department has showed up and I've been very embarrassed and humbly go out to the, the battalion chief. And I'm like, you know, I'm sorry, sir. But what was funny to me was it prompted me to, to look at it and say, you know what? I don't know anything about this fire system, but I want to learn about this fire system. And everybody else needs to know, like on, on our team needs to know how to operate this because it's a very simple thing. But if you don't know how to operate it, then if it's an, if there's an emergency, we're going to have an issue. Mm -hmm. And so uh, I went and I downloaded the PDF for it. And I'll tell you, it's a Honeywell box. And about 300 pages later on that PDF, <laughs> I'm like scratching my head and I'm like, okay, how can I condense this to, you know, 10 minutes worth of training for, for all of our safety folks. Um, but, you know, we actually, because of that, we, it prompted us to do a drill where we had safety people at different places the next time we did a fire drill. And we worked through a lot of stuff that, you know, it just, it was stuff we never would have thought of had we not gone down that road and thought, you know, okay, well, how are we going to respond? How do we direct people? You know, the safety, safety team should be the last folks out of the building because they should be making sure that other people are out, you know, and, and the kids are out and different things like that. So, you know, just, just running through that process from start to finish really, really helped us more than, and we thought we were okay. You know, we thought that everything would be fine. We'd handle it great. Uh, and then when we actually had the drill, um, you know, it, it kind of proved otherwise, but we were able to tweak stuff and, and kind of go from there. So, it, yeah. And, and everybody was very happy, you know, happy that we spent the time and actually ran it like a full, full drill. So it, uh, it kind of alerted us to half of our church building has the old Claxton style fire alarm sounding system <laughs> and the other half doesn't. And so, yeah, it kind of, kind of makes you want to like, I don't know, take some Advil afterwards or something like that. But so I, I've got, I'm going to have a question for Tina in a minute because Simon was messaging and, and said to ask you a specific question, but you, you were talking about, and it, it revolves around what could go wrong. So I was pulling security for a five church event and I won't say where and I won't say what, but it involved barbecue and they had a bunch of ash coming out of this barbecue setup and they were using uh, like oak to, you know, to cook it. And somebody got the brilliant idea to take all this ash and go over and dump it into this large dumpster, oh. not realizing that it had, yeah, exactly, active coals in it. So some big red trucks rolled up. We literally had a dumpster fire, so it turned into a dumpster fire. 
and turn this beautiful, I think it was a bright green dumpster, huge dumpster. You could have parked a car in it, turned it into a bright brown, nasty looking dumpster. Really nice guys. They We gave them barbecue. They were super nice about it. And I'm dying over here thinking at what point did putting hot coal encased in ash into a full dumpster seem like, and it was full of cardboard and things you're not supposed to burn. <laughs> I'm over here going, oh, and so that brings me to my question that Simon sent us, which was to ask you about what could go wrong. <laughs> yes, right, exactly. It sounds to me like there was another ash around dumping the ash. So, uh, <laughs> so maybe we need to look at that first. Uh, well, this is that was funny. <laughs> Uh, Simon always has a question to ask. Hey, one thing I was going to mention to you since you were talking about that, about the things that can go wrong and so forth, is that um, what frustrates me, oh, I just get so frustrated, I almost can't stand it, is I will have done this whole, it's a, it's a six-hour seminar, I'll have gone through the whole thing. Throughout the day, I keep saying, so remember, this is the big picture. So remember, this is the big picture. I get phone calls where they'll say, uh, you know, something, something, and I'll say, yeah, but let's keep the big picture in mind. And, and they'll say, oh, yeah, absolutely. So what about this? If a guy comes in the church building and he's shooting everybody, what should we do? And I'll say, okay, let's go back to this big picture thing we were talking about. Um, and the only reason I care about that, especially because obviously I want them to be concerned about that. But that's not really the thing that I train about. I mean, somebody else should be training about that far better than I would, really. But, um, but here's, I say this all the time. You do security for a church, not to a church. Amen. And I so often mm -hmm. hear security team members that they're demeaning about the church members. They're, they mock them and they don't like mm -hmm. them. And they're, and I told a guy just a couple of weeks ago, I said, now I'm just going to tell you, you don't sound loving and Christian to me. You sound like you just are a wannabe SWAT team member and <laughs> you want to use your church to practice on. And I don't like that. So I think we have to always be watching about uh, that's why I like the big picture look is because then that is one way to cut out people on a security team that all they want to do is do the, this stuff is if they're not willing to even look at this stuff. And, uh, and so I use that as sort of my litmus test kind of. That's kind of like we were talking before about when someone comes up to me and says, Hey, <laughs> you have a security team. Can I, can I join the security team? And then, yeah. And then the next question or the next statement out of their mouth is, can I carry a gun? Yes. <laughs> I'm like, okay. Will you sponsor this, me? <laughs> yeah. Exactly. We've had this, we've had this conversation. So we, we are looking for people that, stop what they're doing that can actually stop and pray with someone and interact positively with someone as much as we are Amen. You know, with someone you that's, know, that's willing uh, to carry a gun. Jim Cowie used to be, Simon would know Jim Cowie. He used to be in uh, Minneapolis as a, uh, a law enforcement officer mm -hmm. and then as a, um, a community liaison officer. And now he's down in Texas working with a big hospital group down there and some safety and security things. But Jim used to always say, they can't be on the team unless they're willing to get there early and do some Bible study and prayer. And he said, that cuts out a heck of a lot of people right there. Cause they're not really interested in the Bible study and prayer. They're only interested in the security part. And I've always thought that was kind of an interesting way to figure out what they're really interested in. For sure. That I, I got to throw in right here before we go on. I, I love that because I had people that I had to weed out of my team where they're like, Oh no, no, I really don't like the whole worship sermon thing. So if you don't mind, I'll just I'll just do it every Sunday. And I'm like, what? What? 
And you're looking at them, you know, or I had a guy that wanted to open carry and he had a 1911 with a Punisher skull on the side of it. <laughs> and he wanted to stand in the foyer and he said, well, that'll, that'll tell the bad guys not to come in here. And I went, you realize that not everyone here is completely sold on a safety team and you want to be walking around going, you see yeah, that? Exactly. And I'm just like, and, and I know churches that do it. I know cowboy churches that that the all the women carry, all the men carry, and they all open carry. Hey, if that's your thing, that's great. I got friends that go to them, but I told them I said not everybody here's on board with that, and you're wanting, and it's got a Punisher skull on the side of it. <laughs> Plus, I always remind them, and again, I tell you, I'm not, I'm, I don't, uh, you know, I have no avenging message, but it strikes me that since Christ died for the ungodly, we ought to maybe more be welcoming to the ungodly instead of scaring them away all the time. So that you you really do have a gift for cutting through it. <laughs> I'm just gonna say it's like you spent years in law enforcement or something. Maybe yeah, it must, be. It must have something to do with that. But I, I honestly, I mean, I I truly wish that that more people heard that and understood that where where the concept of church safety is. You know, we are actively trying to minister to the, the communities. So as we do that, you know, it's not to keep people out. It's to keep the people that are coming in safe. <laughs> I always laugh and I say, if, if we think of ourselves, I don't like, um, I'll just tell you this. I don't like the term sheepdog. I don't like the concept. I understand people use it, but that engenders this thought of you're a bunch of dumb sheep. And if we don't take care of you, you won't be able to take care of yourself. And I just sometimes don't like that, but I understand why people use it. But I always say, if you want to use that concept, we're probably the only flock of sheep I know of where we invite the wolf in. And if he doesn't kill us the first time, we're happy and inviting back again. So uh, at some point we just realize that's what we are. We're an open community. And certainly uh, the idea of somebody storming in, that, that's a whole different thing. Sure. But if I can toss this in, I'm equally concerned about people within the church sexually assaulting children in the church, youth mm -hmm. ministers that use take advantage of what they're doing, yep. pastors that embezzle and do things. I mean, we have many things that harm the well-being of a, of a church. And Absolutely. I just like for us to keep that in mind that it's not the outsiders necessarily that are breaking in and doing stuff. It's the very people we trust the most. Yeah. And uh, I'm, that's why I'm so big on inspection and assessment that is year round, not this once a quarter thing. There ought to be something going on pretty much every week. And, and I believe we ought to take the programs apart and uh, let the people responsible for them explain to us what their methods are and what their prohibitions are. And, and the, the church, and I, some churches it's the pastor, and in some churches it's the deacons, and in some it's a board or something. But there ought to be templates and guidelines that everybody has to to be part of rather than just I'm the youth minister. I make my own rules kind of a thing. So I'm very big on that kind of thing. One of the things I like to do with that too, is not just on the annual planning and, and assessment, but try to rotate the, the team, uh, not putting them in the same positions all the time because it, it puts a fresh mindset. They don't get complacent. They don't get too comfortable in a given spot. Um, even if it requires them to pick up a, a little three by five card that explains, hey, this zone and here's some of the top responsibilities for that zone above and beyond the general duties yeah. of the role. So it, it, it gives a chance to keep things fresh and it allows the feedback to come back to us in leadership to say, hey, this person just went into a position they haven't been in in weeks and they picked up on something. Well, we get fresh intel because of that. Mm -hmm. Yeah, first set of eyes. 
good idea. Yeah. For sure. All right. Well, we're uh, we're going to take a quick break, and then uh, in about two or three minutes, we've got some uh, some videos to play real quick from our sponsors, and then we'll uh, jump back right into it with Tina. So stick around, guys. There's there's more to come. <laughs> Church ministry is more often than not a hard, thankless journey. Church safety and security, even more so. Down a narrow path, a steep and rocky path, a path with ups and downs and little rest along the way, a road that often is barely visible and indistinguishable on the journey of life, but one that makes the journey easier for others, forging the way and going into the unknown. Join us for an adventure down the road less traveled. In the message translation of the Bible, Proverbs 15, verse 1 says, A gentle response diffuses anger. In my 20 years as a road patrol police officer, I have seen that work. A gentle response diffusing anger. I found a gentle response LLC in 2016 after observing that a vast majority of people who volunteer and work at churches do not have the background, training, or experience to properly handle a loud, rude, obnoxious person without inadvertently saying or doing something that actually escalates the situation. Gentle response is not just another lecture presentation. I have a team of current and former police officers with decades of experience, and we conduct very dynamic, realistic conflict de-escalation training seminars and scenarios, which are specifically designed to help a person develop stress inoculation, muscle memory, self-confidence, and confidence in other colleagues. You will not develop all that from just sitting through a lecture presentation or just watching a training video. My team and I travel around the country, working with churches, businesses, corporations, state agencies, and law enforcement. We can help you and your personnel be much better prepared to effectively and successfully interact with a hostile, confrontational person and prevent a volatile situation from becoming a critical, violent incident. Contact me for more information or to lock in a training date at my webpage, gentle-response.com, or through your social media, your favorite social media platform, just do a search for Gentle Response. Jim Howard. I'm the executive director of Trinity Security Allies. I'm also the lead security person for Generations Christian Church here in Trinity, Florida. We run about a 35-man operation that we provide safety for the church through all the services and the different events that they have. This has been a really big thing for us to partner up with LaserShot and work with them in setting up church safety security scenarios. When we first got LaserShot back a year ago, 
The thing we liked about it the most was that it was teaching people who have concealed weapons permit and also law enforcement officers, putting them in scenarios that they would never be able to do at a shooting range, but putting them in a live scenario where they would have to make a split decision of whether to shoot or don't shoot. The scenarios that we shot today are based on real life situations. Domestic violence, where the husband comes in and attacks his ex-wife in the church. People trying to steal their children when they don't have custody of those children. These are the type of things that actual safety teams across the United States are going to run into. And of course, we do have the active shooters. And these are things that we have to pay attention to. There have been more and more active shooter situations going on in the United States right now. And so we have to be prepared, whether it be overseas or in the United States. We have to be ready for what may face us in today's house of worships. My name is Jim Howard. I'm an executive director of Trinity Security Allies, and I train with LaserShot. All right, and we are back from that quick break, uh, and... Uh, we are the Church Safety Guys, and we have special guest Tina Lewis Rowe with us tonight. So thanks for hanging out with us. And uh, Tina, to kind of jump into the, this next segment, I was asked one of the one of the questions from our audience was to ask you about a white folder with the Oklahoma City bombing. <laughs> oh, <laughs> yeah. I guess there's I a never story told that story that. in a seminar. I can say that right now. Um, <laughs> actually, what it was 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 we found out that we were going to be responsible for the bombing trial, which was unusual because it took it out of its venue and took it over to uh, to Denver, Colorado. And the judge, um, I don't mind telling you, he had confidence in my ability to do some things. He probably had confidence in the other marshal too, but he just happened to work well with me. So it, it came to Denver. And so they said, okay, in a few minutes, we're going to have a meeting with all the media from the Denver area, plus a bunch of other people. And uh, we'd like for you all to come over and be part of that so that they can show we're ready for things. And my chief deputy, Larry Hominick, said, oh, Marshall, what are we going to do? We, we haven't even had time to start thinking about plans yet. And I said, don't worry about it. Go get me a couple of those white binders that have the plastic in the front. So while he was gone, I typed up uh, U.S. versus McVeigh Nichols. And let me just say this. I'm not mocking the tragedy that led up to the trial. I'm just talking about the situation. So I took a lot of plain white paper and then I took post-it notes and put all around and a couple of them I squished up some and I wrote some things on. And so when we went over to the meeting with the media, each of us had a binder that said U.S. Marshall <laughs> trial plans, U.S. versus McVeigh Nichols. I laid those down and throughout the meeting, periodically when somebody would say something, I would open my binder up, look to a blank page, look at Larry and go, like this and close it up again and the next day that was the headline in the denver post that was the the first picture in on uh, channel nine news was me with my hand on a binder and it said united states marshal service well prepared for the trial process <laughs> so when i've told that to people i've said half the battle is to feel prepared and look prepared and at least people have confidence and then we mm -hmm. spent the whole two next two days 24 hours a day getting ready but uh, sometimes you have to you know i do go around and do a lot of um, security assessments for historic courthouses and some for churches but not so much for churches mostly historic courthouses and i always say half the battle is a clipboard and a hard hat 
And once you've got those, people think you must know something. So, uh, so I just kind of figure that works for all of us. We've got to look like we know something. Well, you know, it's funny. I, I'm gonna I'm gonna just say this quick story, and then I'll throw it over to to Paul and and uh, and Mike. But you know, it's funny because every usually every Sunday when we we have service, I'll walk through. Uh, the sanctuary as people are coming in and I'll greet people, you know, and kind of watch people and see what they're doing and and that sort of thing. And, uh, you know, I had someone, a friend of mine came up to me one time and and he said, are, are you angry? Are you mad at, at, at anybody? And I said, no, you know, I'm like, what? <laughs> I'm fine. And he's like, well, you're walking through the sanctuary and you're looking at people and you're scowling. And I, it, me a second and i'm like i'm not angry it's just me thinking hard i my face scrunches up so he said well here's the thing yeah he said here's the thing he said if you're going to walk through he said i know exactly what you're doing and why you're doing it but if you're going to walk through take the frown off your face put a smile on your face and then you can be reassuring to the people in the sanctuary that there's nothing wrong that you're just doing your regular rounds and being social and not so intense on watching people come in and stuff like that. And so for me, that was kind of a, the learning experience, like you said, where it was like, okay, people are watching me. So I need to kind of, even if the craziest thing is going on, I still need to have a professional appearance and look like, okay, we've got this, this is what we're going to do. And you know, what's funny is so many times, um, and we've had situations, I've had situations at my church where, uh, I was asked to step in and oversee police operations because of knowing the building and knowing what was going on and helping the officers. And, uh, you know, that's, that's something that I'll never forget. But in my mind, I'm thinking, you know, my, my brain is screaming, I can't do this. And, uh, and someone else is like, yeah, just put a smile on your face and do it because yeah. So the one advantage you have is if you scrunch your face up like that, when you're thinking, at least you're not scrunching it up too much. So you won't get wrinkles that way. Maybe. <laughs> Think about that for a while, big boy. You know, you made the comment about the hard hat and the clipboard. People assume you know what you're doing. I may have as a young man worked my way through a security detail all the way back to a concert that may have involved Faith Hill and may have bluffed my way all the way through the state troopers, the security detail, the roadies. I may have gotten into the back lot where the buses were pulled up and I may have walked past where uh, she and her husband uh, uh, were with, and I forget the guy they were in concert with, but he, the two guys were playing basketball in the back, in the back lot and she was sitting on a bucket waiting on them so they could go perform. And that was my introduction at 18 years old, possibly my introduction to how if you look like you belong somewhere and you look like you know what you're doing, you can probably get just about anywhere. Anything. Yeah. Yep. I always call it act as if as the phrase is act as if you belong there, act as if you're in charge, act as if that everything is perfectly fine and nothing Oh yeah. And so putting that face on, whether it's to gain access, to uh, appease somebody else, to make them uh, feel more comfortable, you're acting as if everything's fine, even when it's not. 
<laughs> Incidentally, I always mention this. I go in a lot of churches. I like to visit different kinds of churches, different faiths and stuff. Uh, and I usually, especially if I'm in town for a seminar, I'll often go to something like that just to kind of visit around. And I've said this. Nobody ever believes me, but it's absolutely true. I don't really enjoy the music service. I, I grew up as a Southern Baptist where you sing a verse and uh, then you sing a chorus. It's not the same chorus over and over and over and over and over and over and over, and over again on a PowerPoint. So I don't like the music service, but I love the past. I love the, the uh, sermon. I just uh, really enjoy the sermons. So I usually get there a little bit late. I have never, and I'm not lying, never once have I ever been greeted or questioned or asked anything. I just walk in and I try to go to the ladies room and avoid everybody and nobody ever talks to me. And uh, people always say, you know, well, if you were in our church, I could promise you we'd talk to you. I'm not sure that that's true. And so one of the things I think it's important for church members is to say, if you see people, at least make eye contact and say hello. And if you think they look suspicious, go to the security team. But geez, how welcoming is that when you're so put off by a stranger that you don't even talk to them at all? It just seems odd to me. They seem to teach that to the, uh, what, $8 an hour people at the mall uh, to be able to at least greet people as they walk in the store. I don't know why <laughs> yes. we as grown adults can't do that in a church. Oh, yeah. Paul's going to be doing that when he retires. Well, oh, the $8 know. an hour thing at the mall? Uh, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> the, the crazy thing about uh, that is... It hurts. <laughs> The, the crazy thing about that is, you know, growing up, I guess my uh, my dad always taught me, you know, you you give a firm handshake, none of the none of the slippery stuff. And, you know, you look someone in the eye when you're talking to them and just those two simple things will, you know, my, my dad's always told me, you know, will will help you go far with, you know, communicating with talking to people with list, you know, active listening and that sort of thing. And I, I think you're absolutely right. I mean, I've I've talked to churches, I've done training with churches where, you know, the the team like huddles up, each person huddles up in their own little corner, and they're just not even interested in coming out. And you know, let's let's try and be proactive instead of reactive with with some of these mindsets. And you know, of course, I mean, for really for all of us, I mean, certainly when you started talking about church safety, there wasn't there wasn't much out there on church mm -hmm. safety. And and for us, even, uh, you know, Paul and I and uh, and Mike, you know, to an extent, 10, 12 years ago, when we tried to jump into it and help our churches, we really had to create our own thoughts on it because mm -hmm. there was so little um now I kind of feel like there's just a whole buffet and, you know, of, of, uh, of best practices, but, you know, it's, it's interesting to me, it's interesting. And I think that, uh, I think that the idea, like we've talked before on, on the broadcast about, you know, incorporating more, again, mental health stuff, de-escalation, different things like that to really pull people out and get them involved with people as a preventative a preventative nature of something happening or measure of something happening. If I can stick a little point in about one of your sponsors, that gentle response, 
That's sure. a great program. I think the general response program is a great uh, program. And uh, one doesn't have to just use their program. You could do a lot of research and develop something on your own as well. But if you're looking for a package thing, it seems to me like they have a great approach. And so does so does the other gentleman. But I, I'm just mentioning that in line with what you said. Sometimes sure. just a warm and open look. That's not we're not talking now about the wildly violent person, but just a warm and open look can certainly diffuse an awful lot of situations. Well, yeah, I mean, we're, we're told to to love. I mean, I forget who who coined the phrase aggressive friendliness, but if we would just go up and talk to people. And I did a video about this recently that the water bottle is literally the, the most useful tool that I have in church safety because I can walk up to somebody that's sitting in their car and say, hey, I noticed you were sitting out here. I didn't know if you're waiting on a friend to come join you. And I'm looking and I'm looking at their hands. What's in the seat next to them? What's their what's their face look like? Do they have vasoconstriction? Do they seem like they're sick? Are they nervous? Are they freaked out that I walked up to them? And I'm being friendly and being Christ-like if you've given someone a cup of water in my name and I'm being friendly and it gives me a great opportunity. I've caught medical issues in the parking lot, people that were crying over a fight they had with a spouse on the way to church. And I've prayed with more people than I can shake a stick at because you walk up and you're friendly and you're kind. And almost every time they go to one of the pastors and go, I don't know who that crazy bald guy was in the parking lot, but he was really nice. And he got me a bottle of water and I got a full recon of it. And I've been able a couple of times to go, something's not right with this. And we could take other measures, but nine times out of 10, it's somebody's waiting on something. Maybe they're nervous. Maybe they're waiting on a friend to show up and, oh, Bill. Yeah, yeah, I know. Bill Smith, he just stepped in. Oh, well, he probably hasn't checked his phone. Yeah, I can take you right to him. And it lets you minister in that environment. And it gives you, I don't know, it gives you a way to do it that doesn't come off canned. Yeah. You know, uh, and this is purely not what we're talking about, but you'll see why I'm mentioning it. I teach a class um, on self-initiated patrol activities, and I teach it around the country. Um, and I have a tremendous difficulty marketing that. It's the just it's the only program like it. There's never been any other class put together on how to do the work that you do between calls for service. And one of the things I talk about is looking for ways to, to minister to people in a police faction. And one of the things I suggest is get those little inexpensive short bottles of water so they don't cost an arm and a leg. And when you see somebody on a hot day, give them a bottle of water. Get out of the car. If you see somebody mowing their lawn, give them a bottle of water. And um, certainly that's not the answer to everything, but if I may opine about this, if we had yeah. spent more time, if we had spent more time policing for the community instead of to the community and done mm -hmm. some more of a ministry kind of a thing in a police function, you know, uh, obviously, um, we'd at least have enough people to say, but I've had a good experience, but I've had good experiences. Mm -hmm. And so I think that's what we're looking at all the time in our lives, not just not just at church, it's police departments, it's city government, it's me as a neighbor to say, what are the, I, I the phrase I use is dinky leadership, just little teeny bits of things that mean something to people. And mm -hmm. that's what a security team and a safety security a concept, not just that team, but the medical team. And um, and I want to mention something in a second. So remind me about security liaisons. But that's what all of us can do. We don't have to do big cosmic things. We just need to be doing these daily dinky things that have an impression, make an impression on people. So that's what I really put a focus on. Nice. Oh, I know. I thought so, too. <laughs> 
<laughs> well, I'm told as a, as a civilian police chaplain, I'm always talking to officers about ways to ways to work with the community and to have a positive interaction with people. So that's just one more little arrow in my quiver. I like it. Well, I have eight categories of things that you can do between calls for service, and only one of them has anything to do with enforcement. And all the others are are not, they're not just community relations things. They're crime prevention things. They're looking for problems in the neighborhood, identifying mm -hmm. problems, finding out where people that have mental issues are living so that we can be aware <laughs> if we get a call there. There's a, a, there's a billion things that can be done. And I'm just telling you this, just because people that are watching may have also been watching the news lately about everything. Oh yeah. And I, I just want you to know that I started in 1969 and by 1974, I was saying, I love the police profession. I do not like the police culture most of the time. Mm. And um, that is true sometimes of our churches. I love, the, I love the Christian experience. I don't necessarily like the culture of some Christian churches. And so um, I just think that's a, a focus that we all have to have. It's true. I love our security team. I don't like the culture that's built up around some of the people with our security team. So I just think mm. we have to keep that picture going all the time. Absolutely. You said to remind you about the, the liaison. I thought you were going to remind me after they said something. So, you know, oh, okay. I can say it right <laughs> well, now. We're starting to run out of time. Oh, okay, good. Well, I, let me mention it then, because I'd far rather me say something than to listen to you, Paul and Mike. So, uh, so I'll just go ahead and I'll, uh, you know, get this in right away. But here's the thing. If we have um, if we have a baby shower on Thursday night, if we have the youth get together and make pizza on Saturday, if mm -hmm. on Tuesday we're having some sort of little something, a security team is not going to be around then hardly ever, except maybe in really big churches where there's something going on. So I advocate a security liaison program, which is means that if you get the keys to a room or if you're coming over for a meeting and you're the person in charge, you don't have to do anything except here's this material. I believe in giving them a little fold or something. Here's here's some of our emergency stuff. Here's who you contact. Here's how you turn off the water if the hot water heater's not going. Here's what you do if you can't get the heater turned on. And then here's why you should keep that front door locked the whole time and have somebody let people in rather than going down to the room and leaving mm. it open. And I call that the liaison function where it's the members of the church that are using the church are equally responsible for protecting it. So it'd be the same thing we do with our children when we tell them to take care of the house when we're not there or something. So I like to have the overview kind of a coordinating group, the security team, and a medical response team, and the liaisons. I think that makes a really nice rounded program. And so I, I talk about that uh, as part of what I teach about. But I think it's good for almost any church to do. Nice. Absolutely. You know, to to what you said earlier, your your point about um, being kind in the community with as a as an officer back in the in the seventies, it just kind of made me think of you know we were we've got so much going on in our our culture right now where just a simple a simple interaction of kindness and and uh, you know an activity where you're you're trying to with good intentions, try to bless someone just has such a ripple effect. Oh yeah. And you know, my, uh, my family and I went to, uh, out to lunch today after church and uh, a gentleman came in with his wife and, mm -hmm. uh, they sat down and he had a, uh, world war II veteran hat on. Mm -hmm. 
And, uh, <clears throat> I, you know, I was kind of, kind of looking for the opportunity to, to go up and, and talk to him, you know, and just say, you know, thank you for your service. I, I appreciate it. Cause if I ever get the chance, I like to do that. There's not a whole lot of world war II veterans around, you know, left really. And so I was sitting at the table and I, I looked over and the couple at the table next to us, uh, the, the man actually called the waitress over and, uh, and she came over and, and she said, what can I do for you? And he said, I, I, I don't know what's going on at that table. If they're, you know, eating lunch or dinner or whatever, but he said, I want to take care of their bill. So he said, if you can bring that over to me and she kind of stopped and looked at him like a snake had jumped up and bit him. And, uh, and he said, no, I just, I want to be nice to them because he deserves it. You know, he, he put his best foot forward and, you know, I'm sitting there and I'm like, you know, he didn't, he didn't do that to bless me. Right. But the, the fact of just sitting there and hearing the, him with his graciousness to be able to go out of his way to do something for someone else, it did bless me. And I think that, um, Honestly, as much as with safety and security, with as much as we get frustrated over, um, you know, the random weird things that we get called to often, <laughs> right? You know, the the idea and just the thought that, you know, we have the opportunity to bless the members and appreciate them and serve them. Uh, you know, I, I just like it. I like the, the idea that you mentioned about... Um, you know, not, not using sheepdog because it implies that the sheep are just kind of dumb. Well, <laughs> we all, we all are kind of dumb, but at the same time, you know, it, it just, it pushes and motivates us to get out of that, that stereotypical, you know, I'm a security guard versus I'm actually trying to be helpful to the ministry and, and do that. So leadership. sure. Absolutely. So I, I'm going to speak for the guys here without asking. I would love to have you on again, but next time I'm going to wear bunker gear, like a helmet with a respirator and, and full because of the burn warning. Cause I tell you what, you're a hoot. I'd love to come back, but I can assure you, I won't like you any better the next time. <laughs> wow. You know, maybe I can get used to you between now and then. I would love to come back. And here's one reason I'd like to come back is because there's a couple of things that we didn't get to cover sort of another, sure. you know, another viewpoint of it. And, um, and I really would like to mention a few of those things, some, some really life impacting things that we can be responsible for. So if I get a chance to come back, I would love to do that. Absolutely. Right. Well, uh, we're going to wrap it up, but thank you so much for joining us tonight. Tina, it was great to great to chat with you, and you know what? It was great to see my cohorts get burned. I don't know why I missed all of that, and it went oh, like straight to them. You. Next time, Tina. Yeah. yeah. I felt sorry for you, James. <laughs> oh my goodness, uh, that is too crazy. Too crazy. Thanks, Tina. All right. Well. Uh, we just had had the opportunity to talk to Tina Lewis Rowe. And if you uh, would like some more information, she's got some great resources that are that are on her website and that's scrolling down at the bottom. Uh, we will try and have her have her back on if schedule permits. My goodness. I and love her. She's awesome. She I'm wrote have time to lick my wounds after that. <laughs> it was it's like this young lady spent like the you know 
30 some odd years or, and, and more around a bunch of brothers or something and had to sort of like establish herself in that environment. It reminds me very much of sisters. <laughs> yep. I love sure. it. <laughs> so anyhow, so just a, just a quick wrap up uh, again, thank you to, to Trinity security allies for, for partnering with us this month. And then also gentle response, John Riley, uh, make sure to visit his website. He's a, he's a great guy. He, he watches, I think he's watching now. So I've yeah. got a, I got a shout out. <laughs> gotta be nice. No, I'm kidding. He's, he's great at deescalating and, uh, and also, uh, let me throw up here again, our book of the month, um, for June is actually church safety responding to suspicious activity. And that's by our good friend, Simon. And, uh, he will actually be on the last, uh, Sunday of the month. Um, next Sunday we'll be doing a shorter, um, a shorter broadcast at, at 6 p.m. Eastern Standard Time, and I will be playing an, an interview that I had with uh, Jimmy Meeks. So um, definitely, you definitely want to uh, to join us for that. So I will go ahead and uh, close us in prayer, and mm -hmm. then uh, we will we will catch you uh, next next time next next time around the sun. So gracious Heavenly Father, thank you for the opportunity tonight uh, for fellowship. Thank you for the, the information. I just ask that you would use it to bless uh, those listening uh, tonight and throughout the week uh, that you would be honored and that it would be beneficial uh, to those that uh, seek to serve you. And I thank you in your son's name. Amen. Amen. Amen.